Hello and welcome to the Creatives Chronicles. This is the podcast that tells the stories of creatives, giving you the information, motivation to get started, stay focused, and thrive as a creative professional. My name is Bright Emeka, and I'm your host for today. Today on the Creatives Chronicles, we are joined by an amazing personality. She is a legal consultant, an author, and the founder of the Legal Business Network. She's also a partner at Eminence Solicitors, and she helps entrepreneurs and startups build legally protected businesses. Thank you so much, Barista Ifoma, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's it's a real pleasure. I really, really appreciate your time. I, I know you are a really, bu- really busy person, but I appreciate you spending this time with us today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, uh, let's get to it. Uh, most of our audience, they are agencies, and most of them are freelancers and independent contractors. Mm. Okay, uh, so uh, one, one of my first questions is, um, as independent contractors or freelancers doing business with organizations, should uh, our contracts be downloaded online, like we just go online and maybe Google something and download a template, or should we go and hire a legal practitioner, and what are some of the demerits and um, drawbacks of one over the other? Okay, thank you. Before I delve into your question, I'll first of all explain what contract means. Okay. Contract can be defined as an agreement which the law will enforce as affecting the legal rights and duties of the parties. And for there to be a valid contract, there are essentials, what we call elements of contract, uh, offer, acceptance, and consideration. So all these factors, all these elements must be present for that contract to be valid. Mm. Then going to your question on online contracts. Online contracts may be helpful, but they have some disadvantages. Okay. Online online contracts may not cover the peculiar circumstances Mm. of the transactions you intend to carry out. Hmm. So, um, it is better to engage a lawyer to draft your legal documents. When you brief a lawyer in respect of your transactions, the lawyer will be in a better position to draft the contract in such a way that the interests of parties are adequately protected. So, Hmm. if you must use online templates, then you should engage your lawyer to review it to make sure that it is tailored to the particular transaction you are engaging in. Yeah, because m- most of the times, w- what uh, some freelancers or myself might consider would be like, okay, hiring a legal consultant, the, uh, we might have to break, a, break the bank or something like that. Um, not necessarily. Not necessarily. As I always advise my clients for startups and entrepreneurs, your business needs a legal consultant. Um, if you start with a lawyer, for maybe an SME lawyer, a startup lawyer, mm-hmm. um, the person will also consider the nature of your business in billing or in charging fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, for instance, when you are billing 
some companies that are really doing well that are well established yeah. you will also build a startup in that way you also have to consider the nature of business of the startup and also in a way to encourage the entrepreneurs mm. so um it is better to get it right because if you don't get it right when problem or calls in the future you now have to go back to the drawing board mm. by that time you'll be you'll be spending more which um, ordinarily would have avoided at the onset well yeah yeah what you just said now like uh most uh, most times i've had uh clients have worked for and um, we did not draw up any agreement any form of contract before the project started like um, I just sent the proposal then it was signed off on and project started uh, in such situations what if uh, a party to maybe the client for instance now start defaulting on payments and we did not have like any legal agreement how can uh, how can we address such situations well, um, we always advise clients to um, have their discussions, agreements reduced into writing. When it is easier to prove when it is in writing than when it is oral, because mm -hmm. it will be, uh, the parties might deny some terms of the agreement, mm -hmm. but when but when it is reduced into writing then it will be easier to prove by the parties so um in that case if it is not reducing to writing you can still prove it maybe by um some circumstances that surrounds the transactions let's say you had um you, you had um you had made some payments in the bank or there are some other things that have actually taken place so those can be used as evidence in respect of that particular transaction Hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, but when it is when the when the agreement is reducing to writing, we usually have clauses on dispute resolution. So, if it is a written contract, there is usually a clause for, for dispute resolution. In that case, you can choose whether you want to go by arbitration, mediation, or other forms of alternative dispute resolution, or you want to go to court. But most times I advise my clients to use other alternative means of dispute resolutions because they are faster, they can be cheaper in the long run. Because when you go to court, there are some technicalities that you have to deal with and that would necessarily prolong the litigation and thereby causing a delay in the administration of justice. Hmm, wow. Uh, our particular situation in Nigeria is very, very amazing and unique that um, a case in court might uh, take forever to get uh, to get yeah. justice. So uh, you mentioned arbitration and mediation. What are the differences? Like I used to hear that word. I'm thinking mediation might be maybe we'll come together. What please uh, for laymen that don't understand these terms. Okay, um, a mediation is an alternative dispute resolution. That is, is a dispute resolution where the parties don't go to court, but you can just sit in a round table, the party, the two, the disputants, the party A or party B, those who are trying to resolve their dispute. They can have a mediator, a third party, who will help to 
talk to the parties and try to help them settle their disputes amicably. It's just like an informal dispute resolution mechanism whereby um, maybe you can just have a meeting, you can come with your lawyer if you wish, but most times you don't need to also engage a lawyer in mediation if it is not really a very difficult task. So the parties can come together then with a third party who will help them discuss, um, identify the issues, identify the problems and help them resolve it amicably. And if the parties agree on the terms of the mediator, it can be reduced into writing. And if it is reduced into writing, it can be filed as terms of settlement in court and it will be seen as consent judgment. And in that case, you can just in one meeting settle all the disputes that have arisen between the parties then um arbitration is more binding than mediation mediation ordinarily is not binding by the parties unless the parties agree to it hmm. parties agree to mediation by reducing those discussions of the terms into writing and signing it so once it is signed by the parties and filed as terms of settlement it is binding but arbitration itself is legally binding is the a, a dispute resolution mechanism whereby an arbitrator a person a third party called an arbitrator discusses um the disputes between the parties takes evidence from the parties and rules on those evidence and gives an award arbitration is more binding is it's more like a, a, an informal way of dealing with the court situation calls you have a judge mm -hmm. but in arbitration don't call it don't call the presiding uh, officer a judge you call the person an arbitrator the person need not be a judge of the high court or any any person so we call the person an arbitrator but that arbitrator whatever decision the arbitrator is taking is binding because the arbitration arbitrator is bound to take evidence from both parties they can find their document points of claim, points of defense, and the arbitrator will look at those documents. You can call for oral evidence from both parties and evaluate those evidence and now write the award. Awards can it can be likened to court judgment, but that's the legal term that is being used in arbitration. And it is legally binding. Once the arbitrator gives the final award, the parties can enforce it in the high court. It is legally binding. So the, the, the distinction between arbitration and mediation is that arbitration is binding. Mediation is only binding when the parties agree to it. Wow, wow, wow. So arbitration is like an informal court, but it's like uh, really, really, really binding and effective. Wow. Yes, wow. and they also take evidence from parties. Wow. And give an award. Wow, this has been an amazing as in learning experience for myself. Like I'm taking notes and uh, writing things down. A whole lot of things. A whole lot of things. Okay. Uh, for instance, uh, I have a client, but he's like um not wanting to put pen to paper to a contract uh for a project to start. He's like, ah, Bright, you know me now. I would not default now. We could do this. You you could send me an email. I would also send you an email. Uh, in such situations, could uh, like emails or 
say digital uh, trail of documents be admissible in cases of uh, in court cases or litigations uh, to to stand as evidences of contracts. Yes, electronically generated evidence is admissible in Nigerian courts. The Evidence Act, which governs admissibility of evidence in courts, provides for electronically generated evidence. So I won't go into detail because we are not in the court, but Section 84 of the Evidence Act provides for electronically generated evidence from computers and laptops and all, so long as you can prove that this um, email communications took place, you can print it out and give evidence and, and lay evidence to it at the court. It will be admissible. So um, emails and other forms of electronically generated evidence are admissible in Nigerian courts. Wow, wow, amazing. This is great news. This is good to hear. It's good to hear. Okay, now, now for two parties, uh, client and um, designer or freelancer or independent contractor, what are some areas that must be covered in any contract agreement for any project? Okay, areas to be covered by a contract uh, depends on the nature of the transaction because there are various forms of, um, there are various types of contracts so it depends on the dealings, the business you are doing, what you want to agree on. For example, if you are founding a, a, a company, if you are trying to establish a company or form a company with a partner or, or with a co-founder, you can have founder's agreement. So in that founder's agreement, the terms of the founder's agreement will differ from another type of contract. Hmm. So the, the terms of a contract depends on the nature of the transaction so you have uh let's say let me just give you like uh, some examples like i just mentioned founders agreements we have employment contracts you have tenancy agreements you have various forms of agreement you have non-disclosure agreement mm -hmm. and or, or what you can also call confidentiality agreement so the terms the content of each of these agreements depends on the nature of the transaction Hmm. For instance, if you are having a non-disclosure agreement with a partner, in that agreement, because of the nature of the transaction, which is say, from the term of the contract, you, you have to state the things that should not be disclosed by hmm. the other party. Maybe things that have to do with your your private discussions or with your goods or, or services mm. at that particular point in time you are trying to deal with the other partner you are having that confidentiality agreement or non-disclosure agreement as the case may be just to protect your intellectual property so these are the things that will be captured in that agreement so because it's a peculiar kind of agreement so if you are also having um employment contract what should be covered by the, the terms of that employment contract will have to do with the employer and employee relationship in respect of that particular job so the terms of the contract depends on the nature of the transaction or the agreements to be entered into Hmm. Wow, wow. Uh, amazing, amazing, uh, val valuable information uh, we're getting to our audience and myself today. 
uh, you mentioned something intellectual property. The the uh, the Nigerian space and the Nigerian creative space is a wonderful space. Uh, most times you see cases of uh, a designer somewhere else. Maybe I have a portfolio online, and tomorrow I will wake up and I'll see another designer. He will just go and copy most of the projects I've done and replicate it on his own, maybe social media handle, and start laying claim that he is one that did those projects. Uh, uh, in such cases, how would you say I uh, address such an issue? I did those projects, but another designer is like wanting to infringe on my intellectual property. Okay, in respect of intellectual property, for you to lay claims on intellectual property, you must also have rights over those intellectual property. There are various kinds of intellectual property. You have copyright. Copyright has to do with literary work, artistic work, musical work. So th those are the things that are covered by copyright. So maybe if you are an author, if you are also into music, maybe you sing or you, you have an album and all that. So it, it's covered by copyright. So if you're also into some other um, designs, logo and other things, it is not automatically protected hmm. until it is registered by trademark. Trademark, we have a trademark patent and design registry that deals with registration of brands, trademarks and designs. So if you are if you design some logos or some graphics mm -hmm. and they are not adequately protected or registered, then you may not really lay claim on it, have a legal right. Mm. over it because wow. I'm claiming so let, let me say I have a logo that I use for my business and that logo I designed it and I it, it's peculiar to my business and if I don't go and register that it, it has to do with my brand if I mm. don't go and register that logo at the trademark registry if someone else steals the logo and first of all goes and registers it then the person might lay claim over it because that logo will be registered in the person's name. Wow. The person might have legal rights over it. So that's why we talk about even as you are protecting your business name by registering your company, there's also protection of brand name and mm -hmm. logos and designs at the trademark registry. So, but in respect of copyrights, copyright, there is no um, compulsory registration you can deposit your work at the Copyright Commission. That also serves as evidence, as a prima facie evidence that you are the owner of that work in case a dispute arises in the future. But it's only copyright that does not have compulsory registration. Every other intellectual property like trademark, patents, designs are meant to be registered at the Trademark Patent and Design Registry for you to lay legal claim over it so it is only when it is registered that you can now sue the other person who is infringing on your rights but if it's not registered and the person first of all goes ahead to register it 
then you may not have evidence to prove that you are the originator of that intellectual property. Wow, wow, this is surprising and amazing and uh, taking in new information and uh, I believe uh, I'll be better informed when taking decisions now, uh, same as an uh, uh, amazing audience. Okay, uh, the next question I have for you is, um, as an independent contractor or freelancer, I'm looking to take my business further and um, do make it legal. What are the first things I have to consider and do? And secondly, what registration should I go for? Is it business name or an limited liability company? Okay, if you want to, if you are starting a business or are you are into a business already it is very important for you to register your business registration gives you the legal right over the business name or the company name if you are doing a business with a name that is not registered then you cannot lay claim over that name just the same way as i uh, explained in the trademark yeah it's also important to register your company these are part of the first things to consider when starting a business then in respect of registration, the type of corporate structure that is suitable for your business, it depends on the nature of business you want to have. If you are running a one-man business, then business name will be suitable for you. Incorporation of company requires at least two subscribers, that's two members. Mm-hmm. But formation of company requires at least two members for a private company, two members and a maximum of 50 members, while a public company requires at least two members and has no maximum number of members. So the purpose or object of the business is a very important consideration in making a choice of corporate structure for business. There are businesses that can be transacted using business name. Uh, Such so businesses include small businesses, that require small capital and in most cases are run by one or two persons at a low scale. Hmm. But if you want to run certain businesses like banking, insurance, mortgage, the law requires that you register a company in order to run that business. So in terms of the advantages and or the comparison between the various forms of corporate structures. Business name is easy and cheaper to set up and easy to manage, but the company costs more to set up and to run. A sole proprietor who registers a business is not required to pay tax on the business, but pays personal income tax, while a company uh-huh. is required to pay company's income tax. Mm-hmm. Then another aspect, another a major advantage of a limited liability company over a business name is that there's something we call separate legal personality. Mm-hmm. By separate legal personality, it means that a registered company is recognized by law as a person with such rights and duties as are attributed to it by law. In layman's perspective, it's just like it is an artificial legal entity. It's a person. Let's mm-hmm. say I have uh, uh, my name is Informa Ben, and I register ABC Limited or SYZ Limited. If I, I'm, I'm a subscriber in that company, or possibly a director in that company, but that company XYZ Limited is different from Informa Ben. Even if the company winds up tomorrow, if the company is no longer able to pay its debts and is going into liquidation, it doesn't affect my personal properties because. 
i if i'm at ben is different from xyz limited so that's what we call separate legal personality so that's a key advantage of registering a limited liability company so by limited liability also we mean that the liability of the subscribers or the shareholders is limited to the shares to their unpaid share capital in the company as i mean i registered the company with one million share capital and i paid i i have five hundred thousand shares there and i pay for hundred thousand shares and four hundred thousand is still remaining unpaid if that if that company is winding up by tomorrow my liability in respect of the company is to pay up the remaining share that have not been paid so okay. that's so assuming I pay it up and it's not enough to settle the debts of the creditors, the creditors cannot come and sue me in my personal capacity to recover their money. So that's the key advantages of a limited liability company over business name. Hmm. Well, uh, this, this share capital thing, I, I'm wondering how does it work? Is it that uh, the directors or these shareholders will bring out this money or the fund and put it in a bank or something? Okay, the aspect of share capital, it, it doesn't really mean that it must be physical cash. The share capital, the share capital of a company is the sum of money with which the company is registered. Uh, let me illustrate with 1 million share capital as I was given uh, in the former instance. As I register, uh, I'm registering a company with 1 million share capital. It doesn't mean that I have to bring out the 1 million and put in a bank or put it in a, on a table. No. Okay. We are saying that that's the equity of the company. That's the company has 1 million shares. If it's 1 million shares of 1 naira each, that means the company has 1 million shares and is allotting those shares to members of the company, to shareholders. It's like the company is selling the shares to the shareholders. So if you are, uh, uh, the company allots 200,000 shares to you, you are meant to pay the company 200 shares, 200,000 naira. So even if you don't pay it immediately, you will still be, uh, uh, be liable to pay it in the future. So that brings us to various types of uh, share capital. We, I may not go into details now because they are a bit um, legal terms, but okay. let me just explain briefly. You have, at that point, you, uh, the company is being incorporated. The shares being allotted to subscribers or to shareholders at the point of incorporation are called issued shares. That means the, those shares have been issued to the shareholders. Then, assuming the company now issues 700,000 shares out of the 1 million shares, then the remaining 300 shares, 300,000 shares are unissued share capital. Then, assuming out of the 700,000 shares issues, 500,000 has been paid for. Those are called paid up share capital. So if 200,000 shares have not been paid for, they are called unpaid share capital. So these are just um, some kinds of uh, explanation concerning the share capital. So it doesn't mean that you have to bring out the money and keep it on the table or bring out the money and put it in the bank. No. Hmm. It means that the company has the equity in that sum and has allotted those shares to you, hmm. which you can pay Deadly or in the future. Wow, wow, this is mind blowing. And um, 
I am really, really glad and I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I know you have plenty things to do, but spending this time with us, it's really amazing. I really say thank you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, one more question. Um, what has been in your, your years of legal practice, one, one thing that people, one wrong notion people have about starting up businesses or legal issues? What has been one thing? It's a myth in their minds. It's not through, but it's like um, everybody is thinking it and believing it. Like any myth, you know, that you want to help us demystify today. Okay. Um, there are so many myths, but I, I would just say, in respect of for startups, yeah, they think they think that um, engaging a lawyer, maybe they don't have. A lot of startups just consider engaging a lawyer as something that maybe they are not supposed to or they are not capable of doing. Mm -hmm. So they just have that notion that, okay, um, at this point in time, I can just do without a lawyer. After all, I, maybe I don't want to incur costs and other things. But in the actual fact, you see that it's not the cost that you are looking at here. Mm -hmm. Actually, the cost might not be so minimal, but because people are having it in their mind that engaging a lawyer costs so much money, and they now go ahead to do certain things without consulting. And by that time, they now make mistake. They come back and now have to pay more mm -hmm. for what I paid a little to do. So the aspect of trying to have the impression that lawyers are always charging so much or it is always very expensive mm, <laughs> to engage a lawyer. Yeah. Actually, if, because I've worked with a, a number of startups and entrepreneurs, the, the idea is just to help grow legally protected businesses, to build legally protected businesses. And if that is the intention, you most times consider helping the startup or helping the entrepreneur in his or her business and money most of the time is not really the focus but uh, as a consultant you will still charge for your services but like i earlier explained most times you also consider the client you are dealing with mm -hmm. in charging fees so i encourage entrepreneurs i encourage startups so have relationship with a lawyer at the early stage of their business. It's really paid off. It will really help them to grow their business, help them to build a legally protected business. So these are some of the issues I discussed in my book, Legal Business Blueprints, how to build legally protected business. Because I've seen some businesses crash. I've seen some entrepreneurs make legal mistakes that they would have avoided at the beginning. So it is very important when you have this relationship with a lawyer at the early stage of your business, it helps you to build your business in the right direction. Wow. So um, if our audience or and listeners who want to get your book, how, how uh, should they reach you and get a copy? Okay, the book costs 3,000 Naira. Right. It's an e-book. You can reach me via my Facebook or 
Twitter or any of the but most times my you can also chat me up on Messenger or even call for those who have my number. But most times I don't like leaving my numbers online. But once you send a direct message on Facebook, you can search for Ifoma Ben, send a direct message on Facebook Messenger, you'll get across to me. Just mention Lego Business Blueprints and it will be delivered to you once the payment is made. Alright, alright. Amazing, amazing. I, I've had an amazing time and um, it's been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate your time. Uh, before you go, there's something all, all our guests used to do. We talk about um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> Any wow. superpower. If you could have one superpower, what will it be? Oh, just one superpower. Just well, one. Well, I would have so much. <laughs> I have so much superpower. But uh, my my kind of person, I like I I like reading hmm. so much. And if I could read, if I could read so many books at a time but why reading the, <laughs> the other one and actually using the knowledge gains to improve myself but that would, that, that would be great <laughs> yeah 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 i can imagine that that's an amazing super i would even want that superpower like it's <laughs> it's going to be mind-blowing like seriously amazing superpower man amazing amazing thank you so All much right. Thank you Hi. so much. Thank you Amy. so, so much. Thanks. I really appreciate uh, Barista Ifoma Ben. She's a legal consultant and author and the founder of Legal Business Network. You need to be under her community. I really, really uh, would recommend her community. I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much. And to our audience, it's been an amazing conversation. I trust you've picked a whole lot of valuable information. Remember, the only way you could execute is when you keep doing and keep start with your hands shaking. Just keep executing and you will do amazing things. I will see you next week. Have an amazing weekend.